What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Houck, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Today is Sunday, February 26th. I am Ryan McNichols. I'm here with Rich Houck. Hey, what's up, guys? And our producer, Mike Coyle. How's it going? We got the NFL Combine coming up this week. It is going to be starting this Thursday, so with that in mind, we are going to take a look at some of the rookies in this upcoming class a little bit later on in the episode. Before that, we're going to take a look at some of the NFL teams, their cap situation, possible trade uh, trade candidates, possible guys that may be cut candidates based off of their cap hit and the cap situation. And then we're going to look at some of the guys from last year, some players who either underperformed or overperformed, and we're going to take a little bit uh, deeper dive and a deeper look at the numbers behind that, so, uh, a little bit more than just, you know, receptions and yards and touchdowns, some of the, you know, things like air yards and stuff like that, yards after the catch, get a little more detailed on them, figure it out, you know, how much of this was them, how much was it the situation they found themselves in last season, so that's what we're going to do through this episode. Everybody's good with that? Awesome, great. Yeah. <laughs> just just making sure everybody else is here with me. No yeah, problem. You're good. We're here. All right, let's do it then. So we're gonna start off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they are the worst when it comes to cap situation. They are dead last with cap space. They are fifth currently fifty six and a half million over the cap. Their biggest cap hits so far that have the potential to be either, you know, more likely traded. We'll leave released out from now because I don't think release really applies. Well, maybe one of these guys, but trade is the most likely option for most of the guys on here. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are the number two and number three cap hit on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their cap numbers are for Chris Godwin 23.7 million and Mike Evans is 23.6, essentially 23.7 as well. So they both have huge cap hits this year for the Buccaneers. The two of themselves pretty much put the team over the cap. There's a possibility they both stay there, but with Tom Brady gone and the team looking to rebuild, there's a high possibility that one of these guys gets traded. Do you have any strong feelings as to which one of these guys is the more likely candidate to be traded? Um, I, I feel Evans is more likely to stay. Does that mean Godwin is more likely to be traded? or I guess by default. But I just don't see how the Bucks would trade Mike Evans. Yeah, he's already you know he's twenty eight, right? Yeah, like he's already he's at that age now where he's not really going to be fetching a, a high quality return. Right. He's looks to be a future Hall of Famer potentially. Like I, I don't know. He's at a thousand yards every every season he's played for. He just seems like a guy that like the fans. He's a fan favorite. Like they're probably going to keep him around. Absolutely. They. I mean, from my talking to people down in Florida, uh, people like Mike Evans. Uh, he's a he's definitely a big homer guy. You know, he's been on the team for how how long? Years. Eight, nine years. Yeah, right? eight so, years. You know, that's not so common nowadays. Um, so yeah, I don't see him going anywhere. I know, obviously, it's a business, but uh, you know, it's good business to keep some of those type of legacy players yeah. around. Even though you you know you, sells, you might be looking tickets and at that a re- stuff. exactly having yeah. a rebuilding season, Mike Evans will yeah, still I mean, sell some tickets. Yeah. You know exactly because um, I don't see them not blowing pretty much the whole thing up down there outside of that kind of stuff. 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess I would say Chris Godwin would be the person that you expect to go, but I don't know if he goes anywhere either. I mean, they could... There's, yeah, there's yeah. totally the possibility that they keep both the guys around. It'd be hard because, again, they're two of the biggest cap hits on there, but then you also have other guys down here like... We've got Russell Gage, who counts as the ninth biggest cap hit, with $12.1 million as his uh, cap hit for this upcoming season. Then you got Leonard Fournette with $8.5 million as his cap hit, 12th highest yeah. on the team. So... Who's trade? Who's giving up assets to trade for Fournette? He's probably a cut candidate. Yeah. Yeah. If they cut him, you know, pre June first, they could save three and a half. Post June first, they save just under five million. Trade him post June first, they get close to seven million back. So I don't. Well, like you said, I don't really know that anybody out there is going to be trading for Leonard Fournette at this point, especially if he's going to have you know eight and a half million cap hit for them. Right. So what is what? What? How's this? What is this? Uh, Leonard Fournette's most likely going to get released. So that's going to. Yeah, so you want to you want to get rid of Leonard for now? now or you want to try and create him now before that happens? I mean, that's not. I mean, a super obvious thing to everybody. You, you know, know um, what if he lands himself in a decent situation? Yeah, sure. You know, mm-hmm. Miles Sanders is a free agent. You know, he goes to it on a cheap deal to the Eagles or something. Like that. He's looks yeah. like he could score some touchdowns. He could be useful. Absolutely. You know, it's, it might be a little too early to say. Uh-huh. I'm thinking what it means for me more is uh, about Rashad White and yeah. interest in acquiring him because I just, Absolutely. with them going to have to tear down and rebuild, I don't know how much they're going to have to want to invest early in a running back. So I don't know yeah, if they're going to take a running back with more capital than what they put in Rashad White last year. And by default, that leaves Rashad White as the as starting the running back yeah. for the Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And then uh, Russell Gage most likely to be Leco as well. Uh, if they manage to find a trade partner for him and they trade him post June first, they can recoup ten million. But if they just strat out cut him post June first, they can get five million back in cap space. Doesn't do them a whole lot as far as you know um, acquiring other people in free agency because you don't get that cap relief until after June first, which is why it's you know the post June first cut. But I don't even think it's about acquiring somebody else in free agency at this point for them. I think it's just about getting another cap number. So I see both Russell Gage and Leonard Fournette being let go from this team. And then, like you guys said, if one of these uh, receivers gets traded, it'd be Chris Godwin. I imagine they'll probably move some of the defenders for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though. So you have to keep that in mind, too, when going for Rashad White, is that the defense will probably be torn down a little bit, too. So how much are they going to be able to just run the ball and how effective are they going to be? It's definitely not going to be how they were the past few years. You know, whether or not Rashad White can get involved in the past game, exactly. You don't know who the quarterback is. There's a lot of question marks with him, so, but it is still worth trying to acquire him because, I don't know, what would you give up to get Rashad White at the moment, hypothetically? If you had him, what would you be willing to part with for it? Let's, let's do that instead of what would you... Someone offered you a third round pick in the draft. Would you part with Rashad White? No, no. Second round pick in the draft. Are you parting with Rashad White? Probably not a Probably single not. second. Yeah, no, no. You might have At to. At this point, yeah. You know, based off of what we're talking about, kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. It, nah, I think I'd rather hold than give up for a second. Absolutely, because he was mo- most likely he was second round pick last year. It's like, do you want to just re-roll for one second? And based off of what you saw last year, he's productive. And potential situation coming into this year, it's like, it, nah, I, you know, I'd take a first if I want to sell him, but I don't know if I want to do. <laughs> so if somebody was willing to part with him for a second round or a late first round pick, would you be willing to give that up to get him? Yeah, 
Let's see why not. I mean, there's always the risk we run saying these, you know, right, right now that they maybe they do bring a guy in. Maybe they get a guy in the later round or a free agent or something. But based off situation, I think he's a good buy. Yeah. Okay. So that's around the area we'd be looking to buy Rashad White at then. It was around a late first round or second round pick is where we're looking to buy. Because if we were selling, we'd be selling probably for a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. I think that right. sounds about fair. All righty. Let's move on then to the team that has the second worst cap situation. That is the New Orleans Saints. They are currently thir- just about $31 million over the cap. Their biggest cap hits, cap hits five through eight, are Alvin Kamara, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, and Michael Thomas. I think it should be pretty obvious that Michael Thomas is going to be gone from the team, but there is a... He's still on the team? (laughs) Michael Thomas is still, in fact, on the team. There is a slight problem with that in that if they cut him pre-June 1st, it'll actually cost them $12 million. His current cap hit is thirteen, uh, and is just a little over $13 million. So they would be looking to cut him post-June 1st and recoup just under $1.5 million by cutting Michael Thomas. So I would have thought Michael Thomas would have been off of the Saints, but it looks like barring anything like a restructure or something like that, that Michael Thomas is probably still going to be on the Saints next year. I mean, looks that way. Yeah, go big. Go big. So that's just surprising to me. I, I, I honestly, I really thought he was going to be gone. Uh, that really, the the, the side effect is that how much do we think this impacts Chris Olave next season? Are we concerned about this at all? Michael Thomas hasn't really played football in the past three years. Exactly. So why does it concern Chris Olave? I mean, if he's because he has to be on the team next year, so if he does end up healthy, he'll end up playing. I I don't expect him to be any uh, sort of threat to Chris Olave at at this point. I mean, if anything, it was going to be last year. I thought, but now, if anything, he's a supplement to their passing offense. Right, he's not coming to. He's not going to dethrone Olave. He's the number one approach. AJ Green type level of player. How many games has he realistically played though in the yeah. last couple of seasons? Yeah, exactly. Need to pull this like that—that's that, what I'm saying. Like your ex- expectations for him would be. I mean, the only I, I took him as a one dollar in my auction this year just to throw him on the team in case he came back and was healthy and looked good, you know. But like, do you even how much? That that one dollar seems like a heavy investment at this point. Uh, okay, so we're basically done with Michael Thomas. Is, I, uh, yeah. The gist of that, and we're in more in on uh, Chris Olave. Right. Yeah. Just I'm not worried about him if he plays for the Saints and he's healthy, taking away, you know, targets from Olave. He's played ten games over the last three seasons. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. So Michael Thomas will still be on the team, but we're expecting him to be an, essentially a non-factor. Taysom Hill. Bold claim. <laughs> Taysom Hill, if they manage to find a trade partner, they can get about $10 million in cap relief. Other than that, cutting him would essentially cost them money or gain them nothing in return. They do have Jameis Winston that they could cut and gain just under $13 million back in if they cut him post-June 1st. And it seems like they want to roll forward with Andy Dalton as their starter. unless they <laughs> <laughs> Like I get, maybe they're just trying to figure out their cap situation and then go from there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, yeah, they're in a bit of a financial nightmare, it seems like. 
Uh, yeah, they're at thirty. They're at thirty-one million over the cap after making a few moves because uh, a week ago they were about forty-seven million over the cap. So they're getting there. They're getting that number down. Yeah, they're getting that down, but that still was without doing anything with these guys. So. Jameis Winston, I think, will be off the team. I, I don't know why they're so set on moving forward with Andy Dalton. Because he's for cheap. Now. I what? guess. For now. For now. <laughs> for now. Go get a rookie. And then we have Alvin Kamara, who's in an interesting situation because he has some off-field stuff that he's dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. The video of him and Uber just got released two days ago, I think. It's not good. So, that's kind of... Seemed like a bit of a confession. It seemed like he might not be playing football this year, but we'll say. We'll say. I can't believe he played football last year. So. For those of you who don't remember or for some reason aren't aware, Alvin Kamara last year prior to the Pro Bowl was seen on camera in a casino assaulting somebody with several other people. They basically punched well, like, this dude, knocked him into the ground, then stomped on him, hit him. Then just recently there was a – basically that got pushed back. Nothing happened to it last season. The court date kept getting pushed back by everything. And just recently now, a day or two ago, there was a video release showing in the Uber ride afterwards, Alvin Kamara, and basically his buddy's talking about what happened, and he is on camera admitting that he punched the dude in the jaw and connected, you know, a shot to the dude's jaw, which is pretty much admitting assault. So (laughs) there's video evidence of it, and then video evidence of him confessing to it. So he's going to see something from it, just a matter if it happens this year, which it looks like it might because the court date is scheduled to for some time in March, I yeah, believe. They delayed it, it seems like, as long as they could. They, yeah. they, they kept getting delays from Kamara's side, pushing it back until after the season. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it looks like it's going to go forward now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have see. to see. Yeah. So, There's a good chance he's not playing football. I don't know how that affects his ability to be cut or released, though. So, like, if they cut him post-June 1st, they could bring back just about $10 million. Same thing if they trade him. They could get a little bit more, close to $11 million back. So there's just a lot of question marks with that team. I don't think anyone outside of Chris Olave is anyone I would invest in in that team this season. Nah, you don't want to get Taysom Hill? No, I think I'm good on that. Taysom. All right, let's move on from the Saints then. Next up, we have the Minnesota Vikings. So I don't expect much here as far as the the three guys that are listed. This is kind of situation, something to think about if you you know if you hear about it or uh, wonder why one of these guys gets moved later on. But we've got Kirk Cousins, who is currently accounting for thirty six million against the cap. There is not a whole lot they can do unless they trade him. They'll get seventeen and a half million back. There has been some rumblings about them possibly moving on from him and going somewhere else, so the trade would be the most likely outcome there. Adam Thielen is the guy I feel most likely to be off the team. He is now going to be, what, 31, 32? Do we have an age on uh, Adam Thielen? I'm sorry, I should have asked this prior. But I think he's either going to be 31 or 32 at this point. He's 32 right now. He'll be, he's turning 33. He's turning 33. Okay, so he's turning 33. He counts for... Just about twenty million against the cap. He's their second largest cap hit after Kirk Cousins, and they could save thirteen and a half million if they cut him post June first. So I don't know how much I expect Adam Thielen to be on the team next year. There's also some apparently some tension with him and the team at the end of the year as far as his role and you know just what's going to happen with them moving forward. So there's a very real possibility that Adam Thielen is gone. So that leaves either K.J. Osborne to fill in as the number two option or the Vikings going to a wide receiver in the draft. 
probably, I would imagine, in the second round. TJ Hawkinson. I'm going to sleep on TJ. He got a ton of targets down the stretch. He might be the de facto number two. Yeah. It's, I expect they'll probably, you know, try and sign a, a cheaper free agent if they can at wide receiver or get a guy in the middle to later rounds of the draft to potentially fill in. Yeah, but that doesn't mean, yeah, he gets to that they'd be the third yeah. option. It's feelings going. That's uh, more work, I think, for TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I would expect so. Okay. So then the biggest takeaway then is we expect Thielen, or I expect Thielen to not be on the team, and TJ Hawkinson would be the biggest beneficiary if that happened then. I mean, if he, he could restructure and come back potentially. He could, but again, I don't, I don't know. It feels like a lot of work to bring back a 33-year-old wide receiver. You know what I mean? That's true. You yeah. just grab one of these guys in the second round and move forward. Like you said, you've got TJ Hawkinson there, so... He moves. He goes to free agency, and then next thing you know, people are calling for him to come be the the next option in Philadelphia. So we is that we want to hear it no. on the radio? Adam Thielen and Burks. Stop. <laughs> or do we have anything then, else to say on the Vikings? What about Dalvin Cook here? He's counting. He's currently their sixth biggest cap hit. He's counting for about fourteen million against the cap. They could save nine million if they cut him post June first, and about six million if they cut him pre June first. He's getting a little bit older up there. Vikings a sneaky team to draft a running back early. Could hmm. be second round. Could be. Madison's a free agent. Alexander oh, Madison's a free agent. I didn't realize that. Dalvin Cook potential cut candidate. They're they're up against it against the uh, with the cap. Yeah. That's where we're at over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put it on there. It's just something to think yeah. about. Where like you know this is something where like I nice. I don't think It'd be a nice landing spot for one of these rookie running backs. If you, if you don't see these cap numbers, it might surprise you when you hear something like Chris Godwin is a potential trade candidate or, you know, yeah, trade candidate, he's not a cut candidate or things like that. Or, you know, Dalvin Cook could be moved by the Vikings. But then you go and you look at the numbers and you're like, well, something's got to give here somewhere. It's either, you know, you basically sell away your pieces on defense or you have to get rid of some of your bigger cap hits on offense. And an aging running back is one of the guys that you would probably look to get rid of. Same thing with an aging wide receiver. So, just Vikings are a sneaky team where it looks like, you know, there's the potential that they could uh, be in the market for a couple skill positions. They could be looking to uh, go into a quick rebuild. I don't, I don't know, retool, whatever you want to call it. They can move on from, I, there's a situation where they move on from all three of these guys and grab a different quarterback and decide to get younger at wide receiver and running back because they've grabbed a another quarterback who maybe they have to pay a little bit more, but they've got rid of Adam Thielen and, and Dalvin Cook's contract. Just a lot to think about there with the Vikings. Any other final thoughts there? Keep an eye out if a rookie running back goes there. I know they they drafted somebody last year too, right? Uh, can't remember. Yeah, they did. So, um, that's funny. He was a later round running back for them, but yeah, yeah I would expect... Ty Chandler? Yes. It is funny seeing Christian Kirk as number one on the Jags. Uh, cap hit for the year. Oh no, it's just funny. That's after, yeah. I mean, that's the deal they yeah. gave him, though. But yeah, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, relative to some of the other guys, yeah, though. Yeah, relative to so. some of the other guys, it's not you know, it's not that much. Is also not cheap either. But yeah, not a whole lot. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be on the team. Zay Jones going to be on the team. They're the two biggest you know cap hits there as far as offensive skill guys. I'm sure. They'll rework some other guys. They still have you know Justin or I'm sorry Trevor Lawrence on his rookie deal, but. Mm-hmm. I think that's everything we're going to look at as far as a cap perspective and cap space right now as far as potential, you know, 
trade cat or you know release candidates or trade candidates from a cap standard. There are a couple guys that are rumored to be trade candidates. We know DeAndre Hopkins is rumored to be on the trading block. That's something that we've seen multiple reports about at this point. We've also got Brandon Cooks, who we know reported last year that he wanted to be traded. Would you be if those guys go to new teams? Would you still be interested in them? In the right situation, I guess. Brandon Cooks. Uh, How many teams would Brandon Cooks go to where he's like the number one wide receiver on that team? I don't know, man. I feel like I it would ha- it's it's too hard to forecast at this point. Um, it's it's way which one hard. would you feel better about going to a new team, Brandon Cooks or DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, I guess Brandon Cooks would. I mean, his situation is pretty bad already. Um, D Hop, it's it's just like a different scenario with like what you're expecting out of the players. D Hop's a few years older. Yes, yeah. He's going to be leaving. You know the air the air raid system that they were running there in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury. Say that you know in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brandon Cooks is also going to be moving on from the Houston Texans and Nico. Co- you know, or not Nico. Um, what's his name? Davis Mills at quarterback. So there is a very serious chance that he actually gets a quarterback upgrade. And there's the potential DeAndre Hopkins gets the downgrade. He's also an older guy. I guess the major fallout more from that is do we expect Marquise Brown to then be the number one wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals next season? Yeah, most likely. Um, Barring anything unforeseen and crazy happening. I mean, the Cardinals do have cap space. They have $13.7 million. They could always draft a wide receiver, but the Cardinals have shown us that they, uh, they don't know how to draft wide receivers. Over the past few years, so I don't know how particularly concerned about that. So I would be interested in Marquise Brown. Maybe they they trade for T. Higgins. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 T. Really just want to ruin my guy, huh? (laughs) I just want to throw that in there just to, you know, get a little reaction. So. At this point in time, would you be looking to bail on DeAndre? Are you looking to make any sort of action on DeAndre Hopkins, or is this a hold until you see? It's got to be a hold. It's got to be, yeah. Unless, you know, there's that one guy out there that is paying outrageous prices for DeAndre Hopkins right now, and you have to take it. Yeah. Or someone wants to let him go for peanuts, then, you know, maybe. But, like, yeah, maybe you should probably take it if someone's letting him go for peanuts. Mm -hmm. But... Okay, but the takeaway then is, though, you're not essentially trying to make a move. No. There, there's too much risk with him for you to be feel confident to make a move to acquire him. Yeah. As opposed to there are other guys that could be in situations where you would feel confident about acquiring them, even exactly. with some uncertainty around them. Like, Diop, smarter, with, smarter investments. Yeah, Diop is very risky. feels like, to me, like I'm, I, I don't know like how much I'm looking to buy him in the offseason. Maybe if I'm making a push and, you know, he's been... A guy that you can pick up in the season, if you need to supplement yourself with like another flex guy or why take that risk in February? Yeah, exactly. In March or April, yeah. Let him show it to you a couple times that he still got it before you do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously his price will go off if he does that, but if you're making a push for the playoffs at that, or making a push for a championship at that point, then you're willing to pay the price. You know, it's not it can't go outrageous because then you know you're gonna be like, well, look how old the guy is. How much more do you want to get out of him? So. Yeah. Hold. Okay. 
Because I was just curious though, somebody you know like T Higgins, who's also rumored to be on the move, and like if we did actually get a concrete concrete report that. Hey, yeah, you know, T. Higgins yeah, is likely not, to be traded. They're not going to trade T. Higgins. I've just been messing with you. <laughs> no, but there have been there have been people saying things like that, where like there's a very real possibility that he gets traded. The only thing that and makes sense. There's no real reports or anything, but there's rumors or suggestions about it. I don't know why, but like, if we did get a report that T. Higgins was going to be traded, that would be somebody that you would be interested in, or I would be interested in acquiring because going to a new team, I feel like he would probably end up as the number one. Where he's the number two, essentially, on the Cincinnati Bengals. And yeah, but some teams' number two is better than other teams' number one. You know, he gets to trade to a new team, becomes the number one. Monkey Paul curls, he goes to Chicago, and Fields can't get him the ball. You know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener. Yeah, for sure. But, man, I don't know. I've just been messing with you. I really don't think they're going to trade him. It doesn't make much sense. He's not due to get paid until, what, after next season? No, this is his final season, so they would need to get a deal done, essentially, before the season starts, because I don't believe you're allowed to negotiate one. No, that's only if you're on the franchise tag. So, So yeah, they have until the end of this year. He's under the contract for this year, so they have until the end of this season to get a deal done with him. And like I said, Joe Burrow, they could pick the fifth-year option up, and they can delay an extension with him until next year. Or, you know, a year after, essentially, T. Higgins. And then Jamar Chase got the fifth-year option was drafted a year later. So, do that two years after the deal with Higgins. That was enough on that. But, again, just that was just an example where, like, I, I think it's different hearing DeAndre Hopkins getting traded versus T. Higgins getting traded, whereas I'd be interested in acquiring T. Higgins because I feel more optimistic oh, about him going. Well, see, it's, whereas, it's like, a, DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, where it's like, don't make a move. Versus Hopkins who's been in the league for, what, like eight years now, nine years? Right. One guy trending way up, the other guy trending down. We're going to move on then to our next little thing we're doing where we're going to dig through some of the numbers. You know, that's one of the things we say we do in our intro is we dig through the numbers. So we're going to look at some of the more advanced statistics for some of the players from last year and just kind of look at, you know, how much of it was the player, how much it was their situation, and just what to expect going forward. So... One of the guys I had on here was Garrett Wilson. This was because we had talked about Garrett Wilson before and just, you know, how much room there is for improvement out there for Garrett Wilson. And this is just like, so my concern is that Garrett Wilson is going to be drafted as a a borderline top 10 wide receiver next season with the way people are hyping up, especially if they get a quarterback like Derek Carr or, or, you know, something like Aaron Rodgers. I feel like the the Garrett Wilson hype's already up there, and if they get a quarterback, like, it's going to jump through the roof. And my concern there is I don't, like, I just don't know how much specific room for improvement, again, there is for him. So, again, my concern was that I had said before is that he had, you know, seen a lot of, you know, volume, essentially, and that was what got him where he was. So he was, you know, according to next-gen stats, among, you know, players who received at least 45 targets minimum. So that's the qualifier for this. You had to have been... A receiver or a tight end who received at least 45 targets throughout the course of the season. Among all those players, Garrett Wilson was 7th with 147. I don't know how much higher he's going to climb on that list. Like, realistically, even with a better quarterback, being 7th in targets is still something that's, like, I don't, like, you know, I don't expect him to shoot up to be 1st or something and overtake, you know, suddenly Justin Jefferson or or players like that. So, go ahead. The hope is he... With a better quarterback, it's more efficient. You know, he doesn't have a 56% catch catch percentage, as you see right right next to it there. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe that goes up to 65. Right. 
Yeah, it totally could. And then so, even if the targets come down a couple percentage, the rise in efficiency will count will just outweigh it. Yeah, he is pretty low on this list of catch percentage. He's actually the lowest of these what seven players you have. Right, and so the reason for that is because the New York Jets had the lowest on-target uh, percentage of throws last year, where only sixty-seven and a half percent of their targets were or their throws were on target. So that's like where there's room for improvement is that the targets can be more accurate. But I just have concerns with so as far as like Garrett Wilson in and of himself as separation. He was 101st among qualified wide receivers, according to next-gen stats, with an average of 2.6 yards of separation per route run. So he's not... So, like, this is one of the things where you say, like, he needs a better quarterback and better throw and all that, right? But if you've only got two... If you're, you know, 101st in separation out of, you know, 120 guys, then, like, your window... For an on-target throw, or you know, one where you can only catch another guy, get is a lot smaller than somebody who's getting three and a half, four yards of separation. So that's one of the things where it's I'm um, looking, and it's like, even with it, uh, like I see an improvement in quarterback play helping him, but there's also like I he needs to take a step as well. It's not just a matter of he gets a new quarterback and he's you know all of a sudden much better than he was before. Yeah. Yards, I mean, just again, you look over yards after the catch, he's tied for 39th. It's just one of those things where he's not getting a lot of separation beforehand and showing up after the fact where that's why he's not getting a large, a lot of yards after the catch because he's not getting a lot of separation beforehand. He's kind of like, you know, a catch-and-go-down sort of receiver there, and that's going to put a cap on what he can do. And, again, you can look at it and say, well, you know, a quarterback needs to improve and all that. But, again, it's one of those things where even if – how much of an increase in that percentage is really going to – so – if I look, we've got the Minnesota Vikings. They were fifth in the league, tied for fifth in the league, with on-target percentage of throws at 77%. So even if they increased all the way up to there, that's only an increase in on-target throws by 10%. So how many more catches is he really going to get because they're on target now? Yeah, but if he has more, if he has better passing, I mean, yeah, it's you could go either way on it. If has better passing, he gets better targets, then he might be able to do better he might have a better yak, you know. So my concern is the yak has to do with his lack of separation, and that's why he's not getting the yak is because mm-hmm. he's not getting enough separation to begin with. So then, obviously, the off-target throws don't help. He's got to adjust the ball, and he's got to. So I'm sure that's probably bringing down his separation is adjusting to the poor throws. Are you calling but, Garrett Wilson a sell high? I'm no. <laughs> I mean, depends on how much somebody is willing to pay for him. I'm just saying, I feel like the hype for him is going to be a borderline wide receiver one, and I I would be hesitant to put him there until I see exactly what he's like with a new quarterback there. Because again, I as bad as the quarterback play was, I think the volume that he received countered that out. And I think if you have more efficient quarterback play. You also might not be a team that, you know, is... So the New York Jets were six in pass attempts last year with 627. Just, again, one of those things where if you get a better quarterback and better quarterback play, I don't know that you need to take 627 pass attempts. And that migrates... Just again, I think my, my whole argument is that Garrett Wilson's volume masked the lack of efficiency. And I think if they get a more efficient quarterback then it just kind of means that there's going to be slightly less volume. And I'm not saying he's going to be worse than he was last year. I just don't know how much better he is going to perform than last year. Whereas, I, again, I feel I'm not comfortable. I, I just I, My warning is just prior to 
drafts happening, I don't feel he should be taken as a borderline top as a borderline wide receiver one. So I'm not taking him around wide receiver 12 or 10 or anything like that. And I feel like he is going to shoot up there once the Jets acquire a quarterback. Basically, no matter which quarterback that could be, except for like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like if Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers go there, I see this hype train going through the roof. And I'm just trying to temper expectations now. Aaron Rodgers had to go sit in the quiet room to figure it out. Because <laughs> it got to be. You know, Rodgers, quality over quantity. You know, it's, he sees better opportunities. If you get a better quarterback, you're expecting that catch percentage to go up. You know, the targets probably will fall because they won't need to throw the ball as much. They won't be behind. But you're hoping for more touchdowns because the offense is better as a whole. Mm-hmm. And touchdowns are worth a lot more fantasy points than catches. Yeah, and he's say. proven that he's he's a capable receiver, you know. Right. I, I could also make the argument that the, you know, the best quarterback in the league right now didn't have a fantasy-relevant wide receiver in Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So yeah. efficient and effective quarterback play doesn't necessarily mean that one guy is all of a sudden. Like, that's, again, he needs to be peppered with the targets yeah, but they have, while having the efficiency. They have probably the greatest tight end of all time. He's their number one wide receiver. Yeah. Kelsey. No, I understand. <laughs> I understand who you're referencing. I understand who you're referencing, but when Tyree Kill was there as well, he yeah, was a fantasy-relevant right. guy, and then he leaves, and they just and basically adjusted, and, ta- was, and Travis yeah. Kelsey kept doing what he did, but nobody else really steps in and fills that role. So, again, it's just one of those things where there's more. And, like, again, Aaron Rodgers last year, Christian Watson had some big games because of touchdowns and all that, but he wasn't particularly efficient with, you know... Or I'm sorry, his his efficiency was actually off the charts because of how many touchdowns he was catching, but he wasn't getting a lot of volume. Yeah, Rodgers wasn't that good last year. I'm yeah. very yeah. much aware of that. And was there a receiver on you know the on the Raiders? I mean, look at how up and down Devontae Adams was, essentially being the only guy there with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro missing most of the season. I remember we had that debate about the fantasy playoffs, whether or not you could start him confidently. <laughs> and then if you started him confidently for the next two weeks, you probably didn't make the championship. Yep. And, uh, you know, I just, again, just I, it's just my warning out there, my take on it. I'll probably be alone on this hill because everybody else will be on the hype train. So. We'll see. Depends who the quarterback is. For sure. We'll see who they get. See, I don't think it does. I think if they get any number of the quarterbacks potentially rumored to them that the hype train will go through the roof. But that's enough on that. We'll just move on to the next guy. That is Debo Samuel. So Debo Samuel obviously had a very disappointing year for what we were expecting prior to that and what he was traded for in our Dynasty League. Because Brandon Brandon, he's a beast. Debo. Debo. I feel, looking back on it, man, it feels like robbery. It was. For the Debo. It was. We don't talk about that. So, Debo Samuel, so. Champions, third champions, you know, making <laughs> deals like that. Yeah, that sounds like a good time to segue into it, you know? Yeah. Bust oh. it out. Oh, the, the no. The came in, dude. Uh oh. It's got two championships on it for the back to back. Oh, what is it? got two stars on it? Yep. Oh, what is it? You got some serious stuff here. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's got weight to it's it. It's got weight to it. It's got weight to it. Oh man, you have this commission? I did not. Oh, unfortunately, man. I found it. It was it was out there. FFL, fantasy football league. 
Oh, you got a little sharpie right here. Initials on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, the, that, this is just for you though. This doesn't it's, get passed around. No, it's just for me. Well, yeah, you know, it's just put it up on the mantle. You that's, wear that to work. That time I went. Uh, because how everybody knows we're describing Rich's absolutely outrageous new fantasy football championship ring that he bought for himself. That he gigantic. Get. Yep. I'm guessing that's where the league winnings went to. Some of them. Some of them. It wasn't as expensive as you'd think. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're supposed to tell everybody it was way more expensive than it actually is. <laughs> is, it a, is it a real one? <laughs> it's all real. They're it's a real fantasy league. All diamonds. Yeah. All diamonds. <laughs> don't care. Don't care. Still don't care. I don't care. Sorry, sorry. Guess I could. No that. problem. So we were talking about Debo Samuel. <laughs> so here's the good news for Debo Samuel. He ranked 13th in separation with 3.6 yards of separation per route run. So that's good for him being tied for 13th. He was first in yards after the caps yards after the catch per reception and first in expected yards after the catch per reception. So you know, those numbers look pretty good. He's getting open and he's expected to get a lot of yards after he gets open. The problem is they don't throw him the football. And they don't really throw the football at all to begin with and those things yeah, too many mouths to feed tend to be problematic. So Targeted air yards, he was 121st out of 121, so dead last. Yeah, I mean, that's to be expected, though. I mean, they, watch the way they use them. They, they Little bubble screens, and, you know, they get them in space and let them get to, get to work. So he's mm-hmm. not going to have a ton of... Percentage of the team's air yards was also yeah. 99th, so yeah, of all the players out there, he was 99th in as far as percentage of his team's air yards. How often do you see Debo Samuel catch a, bit, like a, a touchdown pass over the defense? Right. It's always him catching it underneath and running through the yeah, defense. Running, you know yeah, what I'm saying? The, like, it's the way they use them. The quick slants, right. you get them into space, let them run. The bubble screens, let them get out there, let them run. Yeah, he's a beast like that. Yeah. So the problem with that, then, is he was tied for 44th in targets on the season. Yeah. So <laughs> when you don't get a lot, when you're not getting targets very far down the field and you're not getting a whole lot of targets, it's going to lead to very little fantasy production. And they took away, basically you were counting on him to maintain that running back role he had had during the second half of last year, and they did not do that with him this season. So They went out and traded for Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. So what are we feeling about Debo Samuel going forward then? Because obviously with Christian McCaffrey there, I don't imagine that he's getting that running back role. He's still going to have a couple games where he'll get three, four rushing attempts here and there. But Now the the spin in Debo's favor, in favor in my opinion, is the stretch with Brock Purdy at the end of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. They weren't asking Purdy to do a ton other than just manage the game. Right. So, what happens at quarterback next year for them? All all reports are Jimmy G's gone and that it's, you know... A a QB battle between Lance and Purdy. But there's potential that Brock Purdy may need surgery on on it. So, who knows what happens. It's scary. But... Yeah. that's what if, you, if you want to hope on a Debo bounce back, that's what you're putting it on. Yeah, I mean he didn't he didn't get a ton of targets, a lot of work. It was their situation. You know they didn't they didn't want to overuse the rookie quarterback down the stretch while they're trying to make a push, and not to mention how good their defense and their run game was. They didn't need to lean on them. Yeah, I mean, dude. but that's kind of been their strategy is to use their defense in their run game. So, you know, I just feel like the 49ers have been one of those teams that's always just kind of, you know, lower as far as you know pass attempts and everything like that goes. I mean, man, 2021, you look at Debo, and he had 1,400 air yards and 365 on the ground. 
and then the next year he's got 630 in the air and 230 on the ground. So it's a huge. I mean, dude, that that 2021 dude, that is a monster year. Like huge. It's if you look at it, it's, it's a total outlier. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's an outlier year, whereas other years don't match up to that. I think the other years might be more typical of what he's capable of. I, I, I don't like the term. That's capable. what he's capable right. of. Yeah, because he's capable of the. He's, the yes, he's capable that. of that other thing, but uh, how he'll be used or right. his yeah his utility going forward. I, I don't think they'll use him in that role he did in that outlier year, and the other years. So it's not because I don't he's not skilled or couldn't do it. It's just that's not that's not how they they run their offense. They you know they weren't. The plan wasn't to make their number one wide receiver. They're also their number one running back. That's not a realistic plan that you can move forward with if you're an NFL team Mm -hmm. because most teams' number one running back just by himself can't hold up throughout the course of a season. So that's not a realistic expectation. Exactly. So it was was unrealistic to really expect that role to keep like that going forward. That being said, as you said at the beginning, Brandon Ayuk took a step forward and ate into a lot more of this. Absolutely. And then I think anybody was really expecting out there. Who would you rather have them moving forward, Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk? That's uh, tough still. Uh, it's pretty close, though, I would say. Let's get spicy. Me, Ayuk. Give me Ayuk. I wonder what KTC says about it. If somebody was still willing to buy into Debo Samuel could be back to what he did in 2021, would you be selling him at this moment? Are you looking... Are you looking to move on from Debo Samuel, I guess, would be what I'm asking. I don't know if now's the time to sell him. There's so many questions surrounding his situation, you know, his last season. and I don't know if you want to be selling off of something like that. Okay, uh, Debo is at 4,690 points. Ayuk is 4,570 points. That's super close. What does that equate to as far as like a draft pick? Does it uh, show you is on it 4, there? Yeah, it's I think it's around a first round pick. A little bit or a little bit more. I yeah, a little bit more maybe. More. Let's see, I'll, I'll take a look right now. Twenty twenty three first. Okay. If somebody offered you a twenty twenty three first for Debo Samuel, would you take it? Early first is actually worth around six thousand right now. Oh, okay, wow. you say. So So like it would a be a late, late round. first? Uh, yeah, like a late first probably would be closer. Maybe maybe even, yeah, probably late first. I don't expect, I'm not selling. Would I'd you take play. a late first for Debo Samuel? Uh, not, I see as I wouldn't do it for Ayuk, but maybe for Samuel. I don't know. I don't know, man. It depends. I, I don't, so, I, but the point is, Ayuk is a no, and Samuel is, I, I'll think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, Ayuk is a little bit younger, which is what, you know. Think about yeah, he's probably got more trial the tires after being in the doghouse. Late first though for both of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spicy. Rich Spicy. is saying move on for both of them. Is that just basically the because t- of the team's scheme and scheme and who the hell is throwing them the football? Rich, we could say that for like eight teams right yeah, now. Yeah, like, but who's like, throwing them the football? Who's throwing Trey the football? Trey Lance hasn't played. We talked. We, we we joked about how many games did Michael Thomas play of football mm-hmm. in the last three years. Like, I, I ask you, I compel you to bring up how many games of football Trey Lance has played in the last five years. What, two? Last five years. Last five years. So, like, there's him, there's Purdy, whose arm, legitimately, he might need Tommy John. Right. So, like, he's right. done. Like, if he gets Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's a year. Yeah. 
They say Jimmy Jimmy's go- Jimmy G's gone. Yeah, they bring. They, I mean, well, they yeah, they bring in some veteran. Man, or you're guys. hoping on you're hoping on a prayer that Trey Lance finally you know completes a season of football. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't use him his first season of football out there. I don't know what to tell you. I'm saying it was a stupid idea the whole time because you need to see him play football and Even get a read on him. In college, man. And, you know, everybody else is saying, oh, no, they could win now. you got to get Jimmy James. Like, well, you didn't end up actually accomplishing anything. So, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you would have been better off if you had seen what you had in your young quarterback a year sooner as opposed to being in the last year of his deal, or I'm sorry, potentially the last year of his deal with having to decide if you want to pick up the option, and he's played three games for you. He's played... 19 college games. Yeah. 2020 was his last college season. He played one game. Yeah. And he's got, what, eight games in his career that he's actually played in, period? Yeah, you got his thing up. As, I was about to pull it as up. As a pro, period. that's what it looks like right there. QP. Yep. Yeah, but, eight. yeah, he didn't even play in full games. In the last two yeah. seasons, yeah. and then throw on the 2020. Put, well, he's played second. eight. He's yeah. played less games than Michael Thomas has and played I don't th- in the last and three And that's years. like yeah. games played, but that's like he could have came in and played a few snaps. Right, exactly. Yeah, he, yes, yeah, he, he, he came in, the win ran a couple yeah. times, and that was it. He, he's, like, he only threw the ball 56 times in, in game the last two years. So, 56 mm-hmm. times, yeah, that's... that's. <laughs> I mean, you sit <laughs> him as a, a game and a quarter. He's yeah. had two seasons of playing. You sat him for an entire season, oh, so I don't uh, know how you... you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand that. Obviously, the injury is something that... But that was last like, year, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. You, you, the whole first year that went... That, you know, was essentially well, wasted. And then you had the one game he played in the, the complete downpour in Chicago, right? That was what the one game was this season, yeah. where it was just a complete downpour. You couldn't throw the ball anyway. So, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, so he's had what two games and he got hurt in the second game that he started so he's had what one game of football where he's actually been allowed to play and show you what he can do so i just i think it's a stupid thing to be like oh we're gonna sit him for a full year and then something happens to him the second year and you're going to third year it's like well we haven't seen anything from him it's like because you haven't played him like i i'm sorry again you shouldn't have taken that whole first year off i don't know what you were doing you should have done what your plan was and moved on from jimmy g and you did stupid things as far as all that was concerned Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Uh, yeah, I mean, as as the old adage goes, Hindsight's the best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, ultimately... Give me, give me the late first. Oh, okay. Alrighty. And I, I'm more in the corner with with Mike where I would be more inclined to keep Ayuk and consider moving Debo Samuel for the late first. But yeah. Obviously, again, that's, you know... Listen, Rick has the ring, all right? Rick <laughs> has the ring. See, I'm going to hold it and I'm going to give it mush energy. No, I don't do that. Yeah. That's not possible. Yep. So the last guy we're going to look at here then is Michael Pittman. This was a guy that I feel a lot of people were really high on going into this season. There's a lot of expectations that he would take a step forward, you know, with Matt Ryan taking over a quarterback, being a little bit more of a steady presence there. Had him as top 15 going into the season. So... Unfortunately for Pittman, he didn't. So the good news is he ranked 12th. He was tied for 12th in targets on the season with 141. So that's a lot of volume. The problem is his individual like efficiency expectations were pretty low. Separations 91st, targeted air yards 94th. Their offense was putrid. Yards after the catch, 86th. I mean, all the, the stats are all going to be bad because it, what they all tell you, it, it, what they don't say, they say everything. It, it, 
but Matt Ryan's arm was cooked and he couldn't push the ball down the field. Yeah. And defenses knew that. Mm-hmm. So they stacked everything inside. So Michael Pittman, every, all of his average depth of targets way down. His his catch percentage is way down. Separation's down. They all that everything was underneath and other teams knew it. Yeah. So with that being said, just to kind of reinforce what you're saying there, the Indianapolis Colts were 31st as far as intended air yards per pass attempt. Rough. 6.3 intended air yards per pass attempt on the season for the Indianapolis Colts. To mention their offensive line wasn't good either. So even when they went to a backup, like Ellinger, who could possibly push the football down the field, they still couldn't do it. Yeah. So the expectation right now is the Colts are going to draft a rookie quarterback, whether that be Bryce Young or Will Levis or C.J. Stroud, whoever happens to be available for them. How much do we honestly expect that to improve with the rookie quarterback under center? Um, so, for Ford, what do they do to the offensive line? Because it's not going to matter about the quarterback if they don't do the offensive line. I don't know if they learned their lesson with Andrew Luck or, you know, watching Matt Ryan get absolutely pasted all season this past year mm-hmm. and then watching Sam Ellinger get pasted when you, when you subbed him in. Like, you got to fix the offensive line. And then, but then if, if they fix that, then there's there's some hope there for the quarterback. Absolutely. It's not a bad situation. they got a great running back that they can lean on. Michael Pittman's a good, solid wide receiver. Like, there's worse situations to be in oh, than the Colts. Yeah, man. They got to get that offensive line fixed. If not, then you know. So I think part of it is though the offensive line was expected to be a strength of the team last season and just wasn't, and it caught everybody by surprise. And that's part of what the issue was. And again, if you the Colts are currently what sitting at six. It's Bears, Texans. Third overall pick is the Cardinals, and then the fourth pick is. Either the Colts or the Panthers, I feel like. I think it's the Colts. They have them fourth. They're fourth, okay. So they can sit there at four and grab the second quarterback they feel, or you know, if they're not worried about anybody trading ahead of them. There is the possibility the Panthers or somebody does try to trade up to grab a quarterback ahead of them at one or three with the Bears or the Cardinals. Man, the Bears have but, such a chance here to, to capitalize. To pit everybody against each other, all these quarterback-needy teams. Like, they... They have an opportunity to, to get themselves a haul. Yeah. They need okay. to capitalize on it. Okay, so with that in mind, if the Colts do have to try to trade up to get a quarterback, what's the next resource they have to try to address that offensive line? You're going to have what? Your third-round pick agency. would be the next thing you would have, essentially, free to try a- to address that? Free agency. Yeah. I don't. Offensive linemen don't really hit the free agency like that. And, again, I think they had kind of – already gone down that route and kind of that's part of the issue is that what they were expecting from those guys that they had like again this was the same off this was mostly the same offensive line from the year before that was really good when Jonathan Taylor had like eight games straight of a hundred plus you know scrimmage yards the one thing we're leaving out maybe they get some good coaching they you know they hire the Eagles offense coordinator Shane Steichen and he goes over there and you know whips them boys into shape look how it worked out for them last time so the caution here for me I guess essentially is you're going to have a rookie quarterback basically under center form so I don't know how much you know like I don't know how much they, they're going to be throwing it down the field for that to increase and the benefit of that though is that you know dog it can't go no lower 
Right, but I was going to say the benefit of that, though, is when you're only throwing it, you know, six and a half yards down the field, that leaves you seventh in on-target throws for last season. So you can say the quarterback pit play was bad, but they, hey. They were on they, target. They were on target, man. <laughs> they were throwing it nowhere. Exactly. It's easy It's easy to make those completions when you ain't throwing the ball nowhere. So, again, more you push, obviously, the more you push the ball down the field, the less efficient, you know, those numbers are going to be. I don't know that they're necessarily going to do that with the Colts, so it might still be a thing where Michael Pittman is getting the volume, but not necessarily a whole ton of yardage. Depends what type of system and what type of guy Steichen's going to, you know, who he gets. you got to imagine he's going to get his pick of quarterback. You know, you're moving in here, we're picking four, there's the quarterbacks. Exactly. If we need to trade up, we can. Who's your guy? Who do you want? Who do you want to build with? And we hope that they decide that they're going to use their wide receivers more and their third tight end less. That's... Our other big hope there. Like you said, that just the hope that the coaching staff comes in and actually knows how to be, you know, an NFL coaching staff. Which I'm I'm imagining they should with, you know, Shane Steichen there. That's he went there, right? I said that yeah. and now I'm like so yeah, second guessing myself. Well, you're right. I guess for this I'm just saying like I'm not all my optimism for Michael Pittman essentially died last year and I don't know like with his up and down nature that he put on last year with that and them having a rookie quarterback and a new coaching staff, it's not really guaranteed to improve. So if somebody's willing to buy Michael Pittman, I'd be willing to sell Michael Pittman. For the right price. Everybody you know, pretty much everybody's available for the right price. Yeah. You know, but if they uh, they go up to number one and they get Bryce Young, you know, hey maybe the Michael Pittman's, you know, oh might be back in on Michael Pittman. Yeah. I mean but... It's dude. It's it's such a hard. But they, you uh, know, this part of the year is so murky. Like they just go overall, up, they go up to one. They get Will Levis. Panic on Michael Pittman. Dude, why do you hate Will Levis so much? Because I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Yeah, and, you know they just pick dudes that are big and can throw a football far, mm-hmm. and, and they just decide that they can mold them into elite quarterbacks all the time. And we watch them fail time and time again. Somebody like, compared him to Carson Wentz once, and Rich decided to hate him from no, that no, no, forward. No, no. He just looks like Carson Wentz. <laughs> like, when he's out there under center, the movement, he's just like, come on, dog. Nah. We tried that already. Hey. Nah. Nope. Out, out on Will Levis, big right. time. This is like the yeah. second straight podcast in a row. I might say it every time leading up to the draft. Fair? Fair. That's perfectly fine. So, yeah, bottom line, I'd probably be willing to sell Michael Pittman for less than other people would be willing to sell him. So, so if you're looking this? to buy him, if you feel free to hit me up. This but is KTC. I already... Uh, you guys interested? I have Michael Pittman. Anyone want to make a buy? No, I already traded him to you last season, remember? I got to talk to my guy first. That is true. It is true. I'm the reason he's on your team, because Trevor wouldn't trade him to you, but Trevor would trade him to me, and then got mad that I traded him to you after that. Yeah, you know, profited by the middle, being the middleman. Uh, Keep trade yeah, cut. Sure. I pulled it up. So here, here's a question: Saquon, DK Metcalf, 2024 early first. I'm keeping DK Metcalf. I'm trading the. Ooh, I'm trading Barkley because I think you'll get more than the 2024 early first if you trade Barkley right now. I'm like, I keep that 2024 early first. That looks like it, it could be a potential Marvin Harrison Jr. pick. And I'll do. Oh, you want to talk about a guy, man? I don't know. I think you get more than that 2024 first for Barkley right now. You think? 26 years old, free agent running back? Had an amazing season last year, man. One of the guys that, He did. You know, he did. He bounced back. Yeah, like Christian McCaffrey and him were the two top guys there. 
Uh, so you were bringing this up to see where Michael Pittman's value was. Yes, that was the point of it. He's 5,416. So basically, earlier Mike said that an early first was around 6,000 points, right? So Pittman, that is what, like a mid-first round pick? Pretty equal to a late first. Late first round pick. So, yeah, if you offer me a late first round pick for Michael Pittman, I'm probably giving that up. I got more than that from him last year. Could be worth a, actually, 57th. It might be worth a mid. Yeah. It was equal to a mid to late in that area. I would, round I would accept a late round first for Michael Pittman if I had him. That was basically my, my gist and my takeaway from the numbers. Separation's not good. Yards after the catch aren't good. Going to have a rookie quarterback. He's got other competition there. Yeah. You're going to have to try to pay him soon. And then it gets a matter of, you know, do you want to pay him? Has he shown enough to be worth paying him? Are you maybe better else, like you said, spending the resources on offensive line and just grabbing other wide receivers in, dra- in the draft instead? You grab Pittman in the second round. You know, you've grabbed Pierce in the second round. Paris Campbell's come. You could probably get Paris Campbell back cheap after, have, you know, he had a good year last year, but that doesn't mean anything to other teams, so they could probably bang him back on a cheaper deal as well. So, yeah, I'm just low, I'm lower on Michael Pittman than the consensus, I guess my takeaway from that. Same thing with Garrett Wilson. And then I think we were all kind of in agreement on being down on Debo Samuel. Let's move on then to our final thing, and that is taking a look or quick look at some of the rookies for this upcoming class. Just kind of discussing, you know, what we'd like to see out of them from the Combine this upcoming week before the Combine actually begins. So, Richard, do you have any guy in particular you wanted to start off with? A couple running backs. I'm looking at five running backs here. Um, no particular order of rank or anything. Just some, some stuff that I'm, you know, I want to see. Um, for some size, weight concerns, I'm looking at Tajay Spears and uh, Devin Onchain. Both smaller guys, slighter frame, but very, very ex- uh, explosive and elusive. Mm-hmm. Electrifying with the ball in their hands. Um, we'll see where they check in with the weight. You know, you know how it is. Under two hundred at the running back position is doesn't happen for a lot of guys under that. You know, that's pretty much the threshold. Yeah, and who? What um, are their names again? Where are they from? Tajay Spears, um, I think, out of Tulane, I believe. Okay. And um, Devin Achain, Texas A and M. Texas A and M. Cool. Yep. Yeah, just so uh, people can uh, go out there and check it out for themselves. Yep. Spears was too late. Yeah, it's definitely a good time to you know be getting into looking at this, the the guys now before the combine have the combine and obviously the draft happens because then perspectives on them will change. It's good to have an idea of wh- what people are kind of saying about them before you know all all that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, so Devin Achain, like you said, he's one of those guys where he's 5'9", he's listed at 185, and, you know, they usually list guys generously, so if he comes in, you know, less than that, I mean, even even coming in at that... you got to imagine, he's, he's been working to bulk up for the combine, probably putting some water weight on, and he's probably going to come in as close to 200 as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that measurement is really going to matter. If he can get close to 200, it would make all the difference it for him. Would. But if he comes in close to his listed weight at 185, he's kind of stuck in that. I can't, you, he can't be a three-down guy because he's just not going to hold up over the course of the season. You know, kind of a gadget player in a sense. Punk right. turner, screen passes, you know. Oh, Scott Moore. <laughs> oh, so little Scott Moore. Uh, yeah, Scott Moore had a touchdown. I know, dude. Yeah, he's a I know we say we're going to mention a nightmare Bowl, player. But. All right. Um, and then you got 
What about you uh, about Spears and Mensch? I got a couple other guys with some uh, some other stuff I'm looking for too. Same. So the running backs I was looking at were uh, Zach Charbonnet and Roshan Johnson. So I like Charbonnet because I mean he's got some exp- he's got some experience in the passing game. He's a pretty good pass catcher when he's paying attention and, you know, running routes and expecting it, but there's a few times where, like, on checkdowns, it's more of, like, a lack of a team. Like, he's not expecting to get the ball, so he has some concentration drops as far as that goes, where, like, he's just not, for whatever reason, wasn't expecting to be part of the play, and he ended up being, and, you know, it showed in, you know, the outcome. So he needs to work on that a bit, but uh, I'm really, you know, I just, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in seeing, um... How he holds up as far as, you know, pass pro goes, that's what... I mean, a lot of guys when they come out of college and you work in pass protection, but mm-hmm. I think he's shown enough in the passing game where he can be both a... He can be a three-down back, essentially, and he's got, you know, the right build. He's listed at 6'1", 220, so I think if you can lose him in the pass game and the run game, all we're really concerned about here is just kind of, you know, what the numbers say as far as speed and just kind of like some of the more specific measurables. But I'm, I'm really interested in Charbonnet... And I hope he does well in for in this passing drills. Essentially, yeah. what I'm looking at for Charbonnet. I watch Charbonnet. I get a little little shades of Nick Chubb, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Just a way a little Chubb, just a little, a little bit. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a couple other guys that I'm looking at for as for like athletic testing. Um, like you know, they meet the size requirements already, and now it's just to see you know how fast are they, how quick are they, what are they gonna do. Kendra Miller checks in um we talked about him on the last pod i'm very interested to see his 40 time some of his other uh athletic testing um he's a big boy and if he's able to to get down in that, that four five range four four if he can sneak there then that's big yeah um tank bigsby's another one like to see how fast he's gonna run in the 40 mm-hmm. um and the last one is is kind of a um a deeper dive one here not a lot of uh people probably gonna heard of him out of utah tavion thomas Okay. I, I watched quite a few Utah games this past season, and when I saw him, he just popped. I don't know if he had great production. I didn't look too much into him other than when I would say he was just a load with the ball in his hand. Get him on the radar. He, he was he was a tough runner. He's tough to tackle. He, he was a load. Now let's see how he's going to test because you know if he hits those athletic thresholds, he might be a guy who we might see shoot up based on his combine performance. We'll see. But right now he's kind of he's flying way under the radar, and you know rightfully so. A lot of those other guys had a lot more hype. Um, on them for you know for reason, yeah. so we'll see. And my guy like that is Roshan Johnson. He's listed at a little, just about six foot, just a little over six foot, two hundred and twenty-five pounds though. So I'm really interested to see what he runs for a forty time. He's a very solid, big fella. He and he plays like it. Absolutely. Just very, you know. He pops on the tape. He just he had B. John Robinson in front of him, man. What are you going to do? Right. So, and that's the thing. And part of it, too, is he's a very willing and capable blocker. Like, he, he's willing to pick up the blitz and get his nose in there. And that's one of those things that could get you on the field for all three downs if you're, you know, useful in pass protection. For He <coughs> doesn't have a whole lot as far as, you know, the passing game, you know, production at college. So that might be one thing holding him back. But this could... You know, this is a guy, one of those guys that, you know, a few years ago you would be talking about as a 20-plus carry guy based off what you're looking at. Right. Teams don't really do that anymore, but if he's good in pass, bro, and they can develop him in the passing game, this could be a situation where he ends up with 20 touches between the rushing and the receiving. 
But again, I need you need to see you need to see his speed because if he doesn't have that speed, then he's not really going to even get that opportunity in the passing okay. game. And did you have anybody listed at wide receiver? Well, or? There's really one guy that I'm. There's the normal size concerns. Everybody knows you Jordan know, Addison, Addison, Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt um, has his weight. Um, Addison's listed at six foot one seventy five. You know, Zay and Flowers, Hyatt. Not a small guy. Like they, there's, they're all you know. They've been talked to death. I'm interested in Cedric Tillman's athletic testing. Okay, and who's uh, big body wide receiver out of Tennessee? I talked about him on the last pod. Um, big body wide receiver out of Tennessee. Um, we'll see what he's going to run. Athletic. I mean, he's been pretty productive. We told him he's banged up. Didn't didn't play a ton in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, the guy who, when he has played, was effective. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. The rest of um, he's out of Tennessee. Yeah, the yeah. the wide receiver class, man. Right now, it's like it's so tough to digest. Yeah, it's like it's it's all like one big pile, and it's like it's not neat like it's been like in years past, where you're like, all right, Jamar Chase is number one, like that's a given, mm-hmm. like we know that. What's after? And it's like now, nah, who the hell knows, man? It's yeah, very tough. nebulous mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. So. You know I like my big body guys, so one of the guys I'm interested in is Quinton Johnson out of TCU. He's got a nice profile. He's listed at 6'4", 215. So the two things you really want to see from Quinton Johnson is, one, his 40 time, which is obvious. You he's want to see that with all he's, these guys. So He's fine. He's, he's a burger. He's going to be fine in that category. The other thing, then, the more important thing you want to see is his hands. That's kind of what he he, he has some drop issues in college. You put the tape on, there's a lot of body catches. Now we're gonna, you know. So that's really what we want to pay attention to with Quentin Johnson during this is like you don't really question his profile or his physical ability, but his hands is the one thing that's a question mark. So you want to see how he's doing in all these drills and how many of these he actually reels in versus how many, you know, he's dropping and you hear the, you know, the slap of the ball and then the, ah. Well, even just these that, guys always like, do. You, you want to see guys making catches with their hands, not trapping that thing. Like, you, you know, you're looking for – at least that's what I'm looking for. I'm watching guys and they're running their routes, like hands up in front, strong hands, making hands catches. You know, we're not cradling to bring it in. We're not trapping against our body. Yeah, not getting Strong off hands. With hands. Yep. And then you said Jordan Aston, Jen High were two of the guys I'm looking at. I'm looking at them more for their measurables of, you know, their height and weight. Again, they're both listed at six foot. Addison's listed at 175, Hyatt at 180. Uh, again, this is just one of those things where sometimes NFL teams embellish these things a bit. And just again, the example I can think of is last year, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson prior to the combine were listed at like the same height and within five pounds of each other. And then the combine happens and there's a four inch difference between the two and like a 15 pound difference. And you're like, what happened here? Like, how did they get away with this? Liberally list guys, however they feel. Right. So that's my main concern with them. If, you know, they can come in close to 185 then at, you know, around six foot, I'm not too, I'm not very worried about that. But if they come in below that, that's when I start to get nervous about the guys holding up for a full season or just being able to be that number one. You know what I mean? Like, they could come in and be Devontae Smith, but even Devontae, like, you know, Devontae Smith, when he was a number one in his rookie season, again, Jalen Hurts only in his start in his rookie season as well that year. He, you know, wasn't anything like he was this year with Jalen Hurts in his second season and A.J. Brown as part of the offense being the actual number one and Devontae Smith more being a 1B. That's kind of my concern with these guys. If they're a little bit under their listed measurables is they'd be better off as a 1B than the solo one on a team. 
And then just also interested in uh, Puka Nakua out of BYU. Just kind of, uh, you know, popped a little bit at the Senior Bowl when he was there. Let's be real. You like the name. <laughs> Puka Nakua. It's an awesome name. He's got good size, man. He's six, he a little over 6'1", 206 pounds. He's got good arm length. And, you know, it's really just a matter of, you know, how does he, how does he run and then... I don't. He's not going to make it in the first round. He's going to go in the second round. So it's going to be a matter of where what team takes him. Is it a team that's looking to get a number one wide receiver? Is he going somewhere to be a complement? Does he, you know, does he end up on a team like the Texans in the second round, where they've just grabbed a rookie quarterback and now they need to pair another wide receiver to go with Nico Collins because they don't know what's going on with John Mechie? Who knows what's going on down there? Right, but there is a chance that Puka Nakua is taken and becomes the number one wide receiver on a team this season. And I don't know, I just feel that way about a lot of these guys. And like you said, it it's one of those things where I feel that way about probably ten of these guys, but it's realistically only going to happen for probably about three or four of them. Right. And so it's a matter of waiting and figuring out who those guys are going to be before any of those major moves happen. But... Just putting some of these guys on the radar now so that, like, if Puka Nakua ends up running a 4-3 at the Combine, you're not sitting there like, I've never heard of this guy before. It's like, you should have been paying attention. Yeah, now's the time to get into researching guys before all the the bias starts to to flip around uh, based on the Combine. And then, obviously, landing spot. It's been a talking point for an entire year now of when we're talking about scouting players is scout the talent, you know, not the landing spot. Obviously, better way to spot change yourself, but yeah, it's it's just good practice you, to to keep an eye on what's going the movement of where the people are scouting them at yeah. as major milestones are hit throughout the off season. And I think if you did that over a course of time, and you looked at well prior to going to the combine, getting measurables and meeting with the teams and things like that, based off their production in college. Where were we grading this guy and where were we placing him? And then after the combine and all those, and you got those measurables in, how much did it get moved? And then I think if you look over a period of several years, you would see the guys that have more extreme movement probably didn't, you know, if they got moved up extremely, they probably didn't live up to the whole, you know, the hype of being moved up as far as they were because of the comp, like, you know, the combine just skewed it too much with, you know, comp- yeah, you know, the measurables and the 40 times and things like that. You look at guys like, you know, John Ross and Corey Davis who and Mike Williams who all went in the same draft as top 10 wide receivers and not a single one of them ever managed to emerge and become the number one wide receiver on a team. Corey Davis ends up on a new team. John Ross is out of the league. This was a guy, you know, who almost broke the record for, you know, the fastest speed at the Combine. And, you know, he ends up out of the league and, you know, one of those things where he, prior to the combine, he probably wasn't ranked that high. And then he ran like, you know, a 428 or something like that. And he got taken as a top 10 and he was out of, you know, he's out of the league now, essentially four or five years later. So it's just better to, <clears throat> it's better to set expectations for the guys prior to that and then use the combine and the information that to kind of sort them more in the groups that you have them. Right. And not so much, extre- you know, move the guys extremely. And, you know, guys shouldn't be moving from, like, you know, 15th at their position to, you know, 3rd or 4th all of a sudden just because of the combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Ross. Interesting. Got to take a look at it. More of a deep dive into him. Just 
drafted by the Bengals. I'm, I'm, it's funny you mentioned his name. I'm, I'm looking at the all-time uh, performers for all the, the stats here at the yeah. Combine. John oh, he was, was the fastest. The fastest all-time ever to run the 40. Oh, no, he wasn't wearing the right shoes. That's why he didn't get the deal. Remember, it was like if you run the fastest 40 time and you're wearing like Nike shoes or some something, these, you got an island. Some of these numbers are eye-popping. I looked at the, the all-time, all-time bench. Mm-hmm. Steven Paia, 49 reps. Well. All-time high. That's insane. Yeah. Vertical jump, 45 inches. Chris Conley, wide receiver. Broad jump, 12 feet, 3 inches. Cornerback, Byron Jones. Like, see, some of these numbers are just incredible. Yeah. I mean, they do bench 225 pounds 49 times. How athletic these guys are. I mean, crazy. Freaks an acre. We got anything, uh, anybody else we want to talk about today? No, I think that's going to be everything. I was just trying to look more things on uh, John Ross. To yeah, yeah, we don't want to go down to the no, so we, We've, you know, yeah. we spent enough time. I was there. just trying to see what his actual draft spot was because I believe he was ninth top overall. Ninth, there we go. And he uh, finished his career with 143 receptions. Nice. He had 143 catches? Through the course of five years. I didn't caught that many. Yeah. He had one year of 58, one year of 56. He had 210 yards and then 506 yards. So he finished his career with less than 1,000 yards. He didn't play football last year. He had 58 year. catches and 210 yards in a season? Yes. What? Or, I'm sorry, 58 targets. Okay. I okay, apologize. Okay. So it was 21 catches, yeah. All right. <laughs> like, 21 catches. 58 passes for 200 yards. It's like impossible. Because then I looked at the yards per reception. I was like, that doesn't math. I was like, 58 target, or fi- yeah, 58 receptions at 10 yards per reception should be almost 600 yards there. Now you had 21 catches and then 28 catches. I'm sorry, he has 143 targets in his career. He has 62 catches. Okay. Right. In his career, over the course of five seasons, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what is that? Thirteen catches a season? Not even. Yeah. Four. Got that out of the ninth over well, six. Right. That's 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 the that's what happens when you run the fastest forty time ever. You get drafted that high. You have the, don't have those expectations, and it's not like the Bengals couldn't make wide receivers happen. It's not like Tyler Boyd didn't then then become a thing and then they draft T. Higgins and he becomes a thing and then they draft Jamar Chase and he becomes a thing. So just just a warning in letting the combine skew you too far one way or the other. But that's gonna be everything from us. Take a look at the NFL Combine this week, get familiar with some of the rookies coming up, see who pops at the Combine. Simon it's time Fleason season starts now. Exactly. That's the reason. Take a look at overthecap.com, see what these cap numbers are at, who might be moved, what teams can or realistically or realistically not make moves. It is one of those things you need to consider. You need to look at a team's cap space and not just tell yourself, hey, this is made up, and they're they're just realistically going to make a move to either acquire a wide receiver running back to take over for this guy or, like, holding on to somebody and being like, no, they're not going to acquire anybody onto this team to possibly overtake them, like, Darnell Mooney, for example, is a guy I would not be sitting there saying, there's no way the Bears are going to grab another wide receiver to try to take over Darnell Mooney. I fully expect the Bears to try to do something a wide receiver to get somebody ahead of Darnell Mooney on their depth chart. It's just an example, but again, pay attention to all these things. The draft, overthecap.com, cap space, things like that. Check out the beat reporters on Twitter and see what they're saying out of camp so you can feel how negotiations are going for teams. Keep an eye on this quarterback market. 
But other than that, I'm Ryan McNichols. Rich Hill. Mike Coyle. We'll see you next time.